What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. The wise old owl sat in an oak. The more he heard, the less he spoke. The less he spoke, the more he heard. Why can't we all be like that wise old bird? The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. You're now listening to The Coaches Network, a podcast aiming to bring people at the heart of coach and player development together. My name is Coach Yas, a UEFA A licensed, FA Advanced Youth Award and FA Goalkeeper B licensed coach. With over 10 years of experience working in youth football from grassroots right through to Premier League academies, I'm currently operating as an affiliate tutor for the FA alongside working towards a Masters in Performance Football Coaching. Today I'm going to be joined by my co-host and the Coaches Network Analysis Specialist, Coach Ben. Ben is a UEFA A licensed coach who holds the FA Youth Award and a Masters in Sports Coaching with 10 years of experience including working across the male and female youth development pathways alongside a vast experience on individual player and team performance analysis. And as part of our Insight series, we'll be joined by a range of individuals working across multiple disciplines within the coaching world in order to explore their journeys and dig deeper into their experiences so that we can leave you with some golden nuggets to help you reach your full potential. Welcome back to another episode of the Coaches Network. I'm Coach Justin. Today I'm joined by my co-host as usual, Ben. How you doing, Ben? All good. Yeah, Ready and today we've got track. very... Likewise, and today we've got a very special guest with us today, senior coach developer at UK Coaching, Tom Hartley. How are you, Tom? Very good, thank you, guys. Yeah, morning, and uh, yeah, thank you for having me on the uh, on the pod. Brilliant. So, Tom, you know, we're not going to waste any time. We're going to get straight into it. Talk to us. Where did your coaching journey start, and how you know how have you got to where you got to today? Oh, I could I could talk for hours about this. Um, yeah, do, do you know what? I, I consider myself really fortunate. Um, I, I probably always had, had real clarity about the direction I've wanted to go in as a coach or, or before that, just to be a coach as such. So um, I'll, I'll take you back 1993, the old Wembley Stadium or the original Wembley Stadium, Swindon Town, uh, playing Leicester City playoff final, uh, my first game. Uh, and from then on in, a, a Swindon Town fan um, for, forever since then. 
Um, but I was very fortunate. I was eight years old and I realized, you know what, I, I want to, um, I want to work in football in, in one way or another. And like most, most dreams of young boys at that, at that stage, it was, it was all about being a player. Um, I probably got to around 15, 16 years old, uh, didn't have the, the technical skills to, to kind of marry up with that. Uh, I think everybody else probably realized that before me, uh, but neglected to tell me, uh, <laughs> and coaching, coaching was the next best thing. So really fortunate to, to work at Swindon football in the community really was, was an opportunity for me to, to cut my teeth and, and to just do that, that thing that every coach does when they're out on a holiday course in February at half past eight in the morning, putting up Samba goals in the freezing cold and, and really learned from, from, from the, the very grassroots of the game, if you like. Uh, mm. So kind of went off and, and for me, getting my FA level one, level two, level three, was the almost the journey I wanted to go on at that point in time working at going to university doing that type of thing didn't necessarily correlate with with how I wanted to develop as a coach um so yeah worked at Swindon and then then the the aim was to find that full-time job in football which I'm sure you guys know is 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 gold dust and and very hard to come by uh so went off and and coached in America for a while um which which was ace It, it taught me a lot about myself um and and about well I think probably when I when I went out there I was 21 years old I just got my level three and I really wasn't a very good coach um and I, I may, maybe I didn't realize that at the time but I was rubbish um I, I didn't I didn't know what to coach I didn't have the context to apply maybe what I'd learned from the the FA courses in in real life um and and that was a huge huge learning experience for me it was almost a wow moment to say well Look, co- coaching and, and football can take you anywhere um, around the world, but 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 a bit of a a bit of a ouch moment to say, well, hmm, I'm I'm not quite sure who I am or or what I'm doing or where where to start start coaching. So it was it was really really useful to be in a position where I could be thrown in at the deep end, and I probably came back from the states developed as a person as well as a as well as well as a coach out there. Um, then my journey kind of took took that turn I was really hoping it to, so I started working for the FA. Um, and, and some of the people listening might might um, might remember the FA Skills Program, which started back in 2007. <coughs> kind of um, project of, of Sir Trevor Brooking and, and the FA, and, and it was a program aimed at five to eleven year olds, and all about um, helping young people fulfil their potential. Uh, and, and I came in and, and worked as a coach, as a team leader, and, and then looked after. A few different counties um, within my time at the FA, and, and uh, wow, what an experience! For so ten years there, and, and it felt like felt like an apprenticeship, if I'm honest. Just to be immersed in an environment with other coaches, where you're out coaching for twenty hours a week, but the rest of your week is built around review and planning and and discussions about coaching, and and every day was a learning day, um, which which was amazing. So ten years, which which were unforgettable, and I think if you if you if you look at the coaches who were involved in the FA skills program, it was probably as impactful for those coaches. And you can see that by the journeys, lots of individuals have been on since um, as it was for the young people that we were seeing on a weekly basis. And because we were a national program, we, we coached millions of kids. Um, but the, it, it's funny. It's a, it's a program where you're targeting seven-year-olds. Actually, you don't see the, the result of that for some time. It's, it's a long-term thing, uh, which unfortunately in football sometimes 
you don't necessarily get organizations or, or clubs who are willing to invest for that length of time to see a seven-year-old make it through to wherever what comes next but the big message of skills was well actually we know that the tiniest percentage will, will make it as professional players uh, but every every boy and girl who we coach is going to be a member of our, our society our community so we're helping mm. develop develop young people as people first and then then the then the footballer and I guess uh, it's almost you look after the person and, and the athletic qualities within them will, will, will take care of themselves. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I went to Arsenal back in, in 2017. So for me, the, the chunk or the, 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 the part of my journey, which I was missing was uh, working in a professional club. So I went to Arsenal Women uh, and managed all of their women and girls football programmes. And it was great timing. Women and girls game was just on this, this upward curve. In, in terms of participation, girls wanting to play, profile of the game as well. Um, and I was able to come to Arsenal and have real autonomy within my role to build, to build a programme and, and a set of different, different activities that we did that, that all worked together. So we worked with grassroots girls clubs, we worked in schools and we, we, we designed and, and developed a, a um, player development programme all of which complement each other. So there was a real signposting exercise. If you met a girl in a school, you could, you could signpost her towards a local club, you could signpost her towards a player development program, whatever it might be, the, the right opportunity for them. So it was awesome to have real autonomy about that. Um, and, and along the way, I started tutoring FA courses, and, and which brings us up to kind of now where I'm, I'm working at UK Coaching, um, only been here for about three months. And, and again, I feel like I was at the FA. It feels like an apprenticeship. Every day I'm learning something new. And, and it's awesome to be in a position where I'm surrounded by really intelligent and experienced people and coaches. Um, and, and my job, effectively, I support coaches to fill, their, to fill their potential, but also support the people who work with the coaches. So that's the mentors or tutors or, or coach developers to go and make, make sure that, that they can provide the best support for others too. So a bit long-winded, but yeah, that, that's probably all the, the, main, the main highlights of, of what, what gets me here today. Brilliant. You, know, you talked there about you know, your journey starting off with a, you know, as a young lad, not, you know, maybe not realising that you know, playing wasn't going to be a dream that you could uh, fulfil. Moving into coaching, as uh, do a lot of us, unfortunately. Um, would you mind going into a little bit more detail about you know some of the I guess common trends that you see within within coaches that's particularly moving into the grassroots environment and how that differs to what you've now experienced when you now move into the more elite environment so talk there about moving into the you know the Arsenal uh, women's side is that the, is that regional talent centers is it uh yeah RTC yeah yeah that's so, it. yeah 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 so the, the things of coaches the, the common traits Oh well, do you know what? I think I think most coaches, ninety nine percent of the coaches I've ever met, um, whether that's in grassroots football or or at more the elite end of the end of the game, or or should we say the the performance or development side? I, I have a bit of a bugbear about saying elite. I find, I think well, right. if you if you're ten years old, I don't think you're elite. Um, you, you, I don't think you're elite. Perhaps until you've won a World Cup or an Olympic medal, um, you might be showing some qualities that that could say well one day you might be. Um, anyway, that's another conversation. Um, what is it about those coaches? Well, I think most coaches are other-centred. They're, they're thinking about the, the best, in, best intentions of other people first, um, which I think is massive. And, and I th if, if you're working as a coach, whether that is in grassroots football 
or academy football, whatever age or stage you're working with, if you're thinking about putting the needs and the wants of the other person first, that's really important. And we talk a lot about, and I'm sure you've talked on these on, on your podcast a lot with other people about kind of player-centered or athlete-centered coaching, which which is at the heart of what maybe good coaching looks like. It's not about the coach, it's about the people who you're working with. Um, well, it's interesting because sometimes sometimes coaches go go one direction with that and they give players everything that they want, which isn't necessarily wow. athlete-centered. Athlete-centered is maybe working out what the players want, which is really important, but also what they need. Um, I've got I've got a six-month-old baby and and sleep training is a is a massive thing at the moment. And it's actually for his best interest that he's able to settle himself and get himself back to sleep. It might not be what he wants to do, but in the long run, uh. long run, it's with, within his interest. And I think that's an interesting thing for coaches to almost work out this balance in their practice design and the environment that they create as well. We need to, we need to know, we need to know what really motivates and excites the players when they come into training. That's massive because if, if they don't feel like the coach is doing things that, that kind of excites them and dials up that, that choice and that fun and that energy, then, then they won't come back. Uh, but equally, that's not the coach just handing it all over to the players. It's, it's the coach understanding, well, what direction are we going to go in? What's our, what's our mission and what, what can we achieve if we're, if we're really brave? And I think great coaches are the ones who can balance out those two things. Because if you, if you become unbalanced, then it's all coach or if it's all player, um, you, you, you probably go off track and go off course a little bit. But if you can create an environment where the coach can set some of the direction and the players can the players can choose some of the routes that we take to get there, then you get a nice balance between it being uh, athlete centered, uh, but, but something where they get their wants and their needs taken care of. Definitely just on that, you know, you talked there about, you know, having their wants and their needs taken care of. And I think ultimately that is a key thing, you know, but I think equally, a lot of coaches, you know, when they when they do, I think you touched on this slightly earlier about going in one direction. When they do think, okay, automatically, you know, if you're going to be player centered, it's almost that mindset of some coaches that go into and fall into the idea of let the game be the teacher. You know, interested to know what your thoughts are on that. You know, that side of things. I mean, I've got I've got my own views on it. Um, I'm not even sure if I agree with the term, <laughs> the term itself. And you know, I've had many discussions with many coaches about that. Um, but that's certainly a thing. You know, the people say, you know, there's a difference between being player centered and player led. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think quite often coaches kind of maybe overlook that and maybe can't distinguish the differences at times. Yeah, it's an interesting point that that phrase around letting the game be the teacher. I think I think that could be uh, misconstrued slightly by coaches about what their role is then within within the practice. If you just play a game and step back and don't do anything, well, maybe some some learning might take place, but you, you would you would struggle to identify perhaps what or measure the impact of the game you've put on. Um, so if, if you saw me coaching or if we were out on the field, a games-based approach to coaching is something that I, I really embody and I think is really important because actually if, if you're doing things that sit out of context, so you're doing an isolated practice over and over and over and the players don't have the opportunity to see the cues or the triggers of when to use that skill or, or what point should they should they dodge or change their speed because the information they're getting from another player helps inform them of that. Mm. Um, if you don't have that other player or if you don't have the context, so to speak, you are, you're almost depriving the young person of that learning opportunity. 
So I think yeah. having a games-based approach is massive. It, I think it, it's really important for coaches. But something that I was thinking about the other day is, well, no, no approach is completely right or completely wrong. Definitely. And, and for, for coaches, it's all about establishing some balance where it's, there's that, that saying sometimes you talk about a coach's toolkit. Well, it's understanding what, what tools have you got to kind of you can use as a coach which are going to really benefit the players at this moment in time. So there's lots of, lots of information out there about constraint, constraints-led coaching which actually could be, as a coach, you're considering um, the dimensions of your practice, the, so how big your pitch is, how, how big your zones are, and what that affords the players. So if you're working with your central midfield players and you're doing one of those practices where you play through the zone and you make your central zone, where your midfielders are, bigger, you're affording them more space and time. So actually uh. that, the constraints there, it, it, it allows them perhaps some opportunity to, to, to manoeuvre the ball more freely um you don't have to tell them as a coach you've just created an environment where they can do it um equally you might set some challenges to players within your practice that force different outcomes from them um with different types of constraints ben bartlett talks about it kind of that restrict relate reward um and i think as as modern football coaches it's really important to know about this stuff mm. because it, it can influence and support the way you design practices um, but I think going down one route and just pigeonholing yourself into an area where you say, I'm just doing game-based stuff and I'm just de- designing a, a game and stepping back from it, perhaps is, is a bit dangerous because we need our players to experience a whole range of things. Mm. Um, just one way of coaching isn't necessarily going to fulfill all of their, I guess, their football nutritional needs, if you, if you like. So it's about having... Balance, and I think the skill of a coach is understanding what the players need at this moment in time. Just, just on that, then, because I think you know some of the as you talk through that, you know, about those coaches who maybe do kind of just take a step back and you know try to let that game be a teacher. Essentially, um, I feel that some of them you're more likely to see that at the earlier stage of their coaching journey, so i.e., you know, level one, maybe level two coaching, possibly even at UFB in some cases. Um, how much of that do you think is down to I guess the way the coach education pathway has changed in particular. I know, I noticed, you know, you're currently doing UEFA license and you, you know, probably like myself and Ben have, have gone through what was quote unquote, the old mm. style courses. Um, and you know, the current format with the new, the new way of, I guess the in-situ support visits and whatnot. How much of that do you think is down to maybe the, the way the current coach education system is, is based set up, set up with the uh, less emphasis on the technical side of things? Yeah, I, I I think I think what the FA have done with the courses is has been really cool in 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 the respect that it helps coaches apply the themes of the course to their context. And let, let's take a, a level one ten years ago, you'd go on a course, you'd learn <clears throat> four or five drills or, or or subscribe practices. That as a coach, you then repeat at the end of the course, and you're told if you're pass if you've passed your level one or not. Now, if you're working with the under mm. 18s or the under eight there was no differentiator there to say, well, what works with an older team? What's works with a younger team? So I think the, the beauty of the new courses is it, it gives some, some principles around um, how to coach. Um, and, and at that, mm. that kind of start, starting phase and that introduction to coaching, it's, there's less detail on the what to coach. But I think that's okay because ultimately the, most people doing a level one might be working in that grassroots club. They might have their son or their daughter playing the game. 
and um, they just need to have have the opportunity to to go and build their confidence at, at kind of putting on some some exciting games for the kids and and actually just by playing a game with certain conditions on it has some outcomes and you know what if the kids have fun and they come back next week that that's a massive measure of success um i think when kind of going through that that spectrum of the courses and, and getting to the ua for a well for me that that was an area where i felt that perhaps I, that's the big driver for me going on the ua for a is that technical detail that i wanted to improve in and and mm. understand mm. more and i think the a does that does that for you you probably have to ask some questions but the important thing is that you try and try and relate it back to your context. The next season I'm working with the yeah. Arsenal women under 12s and, and there are other co- coaches on that course who are working with university teams or working perhaps in, in academy football with the under 18s. And, and the way I take the content and apply it to the under 12s will be different to, to what other coaches do in their mm. context. And I think there's a, there's, a, there's a big thing about, if you think about coach education, perhaps, there are some coaches out there who who turn up on a course and expect expect all the just to turn up and, and to to be told stuff that then they can take away and try out. Well, learn, yeah. learning's not quite like that. You have to you have to work hard at it. It's effortful. So it, it's really important that coaches coming on courses come ready to ask some questions, ready are kind of are curious about some stuff, and and then are thinking about well, how do I take this key message that they're talking about? So start of the A license block is about building the attack um how does that how does that work in my context and uh, I, I like the phrase about burning up on re-entry think about something coming from space uh back, back into our environment well actually there's some stuff that just isn't going to work and if i'm working with the under 12s we're not playing 11 v 11 football so some of the principles that you talk about the a license just aren't age appropriate age appropriate yet but some of the technical detail for a centre-back for a CDM, whatever it might be, are absolutely appropriate. Um, and maybe maybe our job as coaches is, is taking all this, this knowledge and this information, whether that's an A licence, whether that's a, a uni course, whether that's some research, but making it really appropriate for the person who's in front of you. Um, mm. And you could be the best coach in the world, uh, but if you can't make that connection with the players, then, then you're kind of redundant because it's really important about the mm. way you can transfer that knowledge. Uh, I heard a phrase recently about connection before correction, uh, which which I think is 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 a brilliant thing for coaches to think about because you can't you can't help someone get better at something unless you have a decent connection with them first, and that kind of comes back. But when I was talking at the start about the skills program and and all about kind of people first, well, yeah, it's about understanding the young people in front of you. That that's that's got to be the most important thing. And, and if that, that's if you're a grassroots coach working with the under sixes, or if you're, if you're a first team manager working in the Premier League, you've got to have a decent understanding of the players in your care. Otherwise, you're going to struggle to build relationships and help people mm. move, move to the next stage of whatever that is. No, I agree. Mm. I agree with what you're saying there. Um, there's something that kind of uh, jogged, uh, jogged my mind and uh, me and Yasser have uh, spoken about this as well in regards to people's intentions of the courses. Like people, I feel like uh, coaches go on these FA courses and then they expect a lot. And when you think about the time and duration that you're on it, it's a, it's a lot of information that um, that is actually given on it. So like, I don't think, 
I don't think people should be going on it with the expectation that um you know like once you're once you're done with the course you are you a for b coach or you're a level two coach because I don't think it's necessarily that because um when you when I can imagine like when you're looking on your course now you see you see coaches from many different environments and they have um you know the vast uh, array of like experiences that they're they're bringing um towards it which uh I, I quite commend the FA for in the sense that like uh, uh, the way the courses are set up now, you kind of learn from your peers a bit more and there's a bit more facilitated from them. Because so, like, I, I always used to be curious about that now in terms of the experiences of the other candidates on the courses. But like, you know, based on the old format, um, the structure didn't govern uh, for such a thing to happen. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you... Enjoy? Do you enjoy that aspect of it um, in the new format in terms of learning from the peers and stuff? So just to just to build on that a little bit more, Tommy, your 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 UEFA A license journey is going to be quite interesting, isn't it? Because you've actually started yours in uh, almost in a distance learning format, haven't you? But due to the COVID nineteen. Yeah. So so my course was due to start um, in March, and and we've just finished block one without a ball being kicked, which is, which is phenomenal really. And, and kudos to the FA for being able to turn something around and, and get something there that, that people can do without having to be at St. George's Park. Um, and this, this will probably have an impact on what, what coach education looks like in the future. It's made a point that actually you can do some great learning from home. Um, you don't need to be around people all the time. Now, yeah, there, there's like, like saying Ben, there, there's some really valuable things to, which you can get from learning from other people um, and there's no substitute for being on a course being sat next to someone you don't know and sharing some experiences because actually in just those informal conversations you can pick up so much and yeah the, the, you, you hear great edu- coach educators talk about when they stand at the front of a room saying well actually there's more knowledge looking back at me than than me looking at you um, and I, I think that the, the coach educators and tutors who, who do it well are able to create an environment where th- people feel really happy to share stuff. Um, and and that, that almost lends itself to vulnerability to an extent. It's almost saying, well, I don't have all the answers, which perhaps if you go back 10, 15 years in coach education, people might question your credibility if, a, if someone said that, who's supposed to be an inverted commas expert. Um, I don't have all the answers, but, but do you know what? Maybe together we can, we can find some stuff out which I think is, is really exciting because it means, well, actually, there's nothing there to say, well, there's no definite end point to this. And, and this is a bit of a journey together we can go on. And, and I think you can think about that in a coach ed setting. You can also think about that in the way that you coach your players. If, if you, you create an environment of training where you can, you can say to the players, well, actually, let's talk about the things which are really important uh, to us as a team, but how we get there is kind of up to us as a group. That, that's really cool. Um, and, and for me, coach education, sometimes it has to be almost like a flag in the top of Everest. You have to be able to, as a tutor, say this coach has met the standards we need to sign them off. And that, that's the nature of qualifications. Um, hmm. But I think that the way the courses have moved from something which is very competency assessment based, where you have your, your half an hour session at the end of the course and you're told if you've passed or not, which I think is, is pretty scary um through which which is like a, a flag in the top of everest you either get there or you don't um to something where you have your in situ visits and and a tutor supports you on your journey that feels a bit more like a treasure map to me 
that that perhaps you you don't quite know the direction you might go in each visit um but you might because you don't have that definite end goal you might discover something really exciting on your way that could really help you develop as a coach um and and i think that 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 attitude about going on a course should be around coaches coming with with lots of things that they're interested in and maybe in 10 years time um we'll have coach education systems that that are personalized so you go on an a license but my a license might look a little bit different to yours because there's different things we need to develop in and there's different areas of interest um and i think that when as time moves on um and we get better at supporting people and understanding what's important to them we will um we will be able to personalize what learning looks like to an extent um which links to that kind of learning from home stuff and the way the a license has been delivered for for block one well it almost has worked in three phases that the fa send out uh an hour video which is is kind of covers the theory if you like of of this session you then get the opportunity to have a a video call with another coach who's, who's in your same working group and then the FA facilitate a call with maybe 10 coaches and it's almost like a, a group discussion about, well, what works, what doesn't, what did you see, what did you notice? But the beauty of almost having that, that content on demand, we've, I'm sure we've all sat there in, in, a, in a coaching workshop, in, in a school lesson, in, in a meeting at work, and we've all wanted, wanted to press pause at some point. Um, and this does enable you just to hit pause, to go and think about it, to then come back a bit later, to go and watch that bit again um which is maybe what people are used to in our society now we've got tv on demand we've got we've got lots of different things that make make it personal to what you need at this moment in time um and i wouldn't necessarily say a future course should just be like this because you miss so many great things that you you discover on course but something that's blended i think is is something that would be really appropriate in the future mm. And um, just uh, you were touching on it a bit earlier in terms of your your coaching experience and uh, you kind of touched on the sort of approach that you like to do. But I just wanted to uh, delve a bit more deeper and uh, get you to describe the fundamentals of your coaching philosophy. What is like the some sort of like non-negotiables for you regardless of what environment you're in? Yeah, great question. Uh, I think philosophy is a... It's a really personal thing, isn't it? it, it it's personal mm. to any coach and, and there's definitely no, no way you can copy someone else's because, because it means so much to you as an individual. I've, I've done a lot of thinking about this recently and I think if you'd have asked me a few years ago or if, again, you asked me in a few years, it might be a bit different because with any philosophy, it's got to be open to some change and some evolution. Um, I guess my why, what, what sits behind why do I coach the way that I do? Um, I suppose there's three three bullet points for me that, that sum it up quite nicely. So it's about challenging the status quo. Um, I think I think I, I, when I've been into clubs or spoken to people, and when you when you hear that that phrase of "well, this is the way we do things around here," <clears throat> I think if if that if that's the culture, um, and and people aren't open to to kind of looking at other stuff and thinking about things in a different way um then then perhaps they need some some questions asking to think about oh oh have you thought about this have you thought about that so challenging the status quo is really important to me trying to find maybe some different ways of achieving some exciting exciting stuff um making a positive difference to others that that's up there and i guess like i say earlier i'm in a position where i'm, I'm coaching 
young people, but I'm also supporting coaches and, and coach developers. So if you can make a positive difference to someone, that that's huge. Um, and with the range of coaching that I've done in the past, um, I, I've, I've been, I, I see this as really fortunate and privileged, but I, I've been lucky enough to go and coach in prison, which um, really, really shows you just a different world altogether. But uh, if you, if you, it amplifies the impact you can have as a coach on people, football very, very much becomes the vehicle for loads of other stuff. Um, and, and I think, well, people talk about fo- football, football is an international language or the power of football. And, and actually, yeah, when you dig into what those phrases mean, that football can just, it can be an introduction to people engaging with so much stuff that they wouldn't have considered before. Um, and, and with all that, it's about inspiring some change um, because I think that we, we, we're not done yet as, as coaches. We're, we're, preparing, we're preparing coaches and we're preparing players for maybe a game that doesn't quite exist yet. Mm. Um, and because of COVID, the, there's obviously the, the way we train and the way we play at the moment has to alter a little bit. But if you look at how the game of football has been played at the highest level for the last 10 years, even if you look at the Premier League five, 10 years ago, it's different now to, to what it was then. So in five years, in 10 years, I wonder what the game's going to be like. So, mm. so we're, we're almost trying to prepare players for something that is, it, is, it's not, it doesn't exist yet. And I think that's really exciting because you can make a difference as a coach to, to the future of, of our game. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd say they are, they're, they're the three things. Challenging the status quo, positive difference in others and, and inspiring some change. You touched on it a little bit earlier there about you know some of your bugbears. What would you see your major bugbears are when it comes to coaching? Bugbears, well, ooh, okay. Um, I don't want to sound too controversial. Yeah, uh, don't make don't make no enemies. <laughs> <laughs> make them make make your enemies. You're protected by the coach. Okay, okay, cool. Um, I think I think there's a few things. So, some stuff is about coaches' behaviour, um, mindset, and and almost who who, who this is all about. So if, if I was to, to, to go to a, some, watch someone's coaching practice and I saw some unhelpful behaviours, perhaps, uh, some, if the coach is almost laissez-faire and, and they didn't show an interest in, in, in kind of the, the players or, or the practice, if the coach's behaviour is toxic, if, if they're shouting unnecessarily and if they're raising their voice and they're being confrontational with young people, their, their behaviours, which, which are absolutely not appropriate, uh when working with 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 anyone really um so that that kind of thing if i saw that i'd want to challenge it um and and i think the more uh, resolute i've become as a coach yeah, over my journey the more more uh the more aware i am of things that that perhaps irritate me to an extent um so that kind of behavior i don't i don't think is acceptable especially when you're working with young people um and I think it's—I wouldn't say this, this is a bugbear. That would almost be too strong. But just trying to help people think in a different way, and and perhaps when you come across coaches who aren't open to thinking about doing things differently, that I find is a frustration sometimes. Um, because I'm, I'm not saying for a minute everybody has to change the way they coach constantly. I think that that's unhelpful. Um, but being open to to being contemporary as a coach, be, remaining. Um, up to date, modern, and and being able to evolve the way you do things based on lots of information around us, I think is really important. 
And if we stand still, if we, uh, if we, if we continue to coach the way we were coached, we won't get any further. Um, we won't give the best possible experience to the, the people we're trying to help the most. So almost that, that fixed mindset to say, no, this is, this is where, this is how we do things around here. And we're not budging on that. I would see as a frustration. Um, other bugbears, you know what? So, something that, that's on my mind and I, I'm thinking about at the moment, maybe a, a bit of a thought experiment is, well, what does brilliant one-to-one coaching look like? And, and I mean that in the respect mm. that because of the situation at the moment, uh, coaches are going to have to do some more individualized work. And there'll be lots of coaches out there who are seeing this as an opportunity to go and do some one-to-one coaching. Brilliant, because actually that could be really impactful. Um, but I, I have to admit, I was in a park the other day and I was watching someone coach. And I, I, <laughs> Me too. It was, oh, <laughs> it was just boring. And I, I, <laughs> I think just on that though, Tom, I, mean, I think it's a very interesting point you make about the one-to-one coaches. You know, it's a conversation I've certainly been having with a lot of coaches recently around, again, you know, what does brilliant one-to-one coaching look like? What should a one-to-one coach be able to do? And I feel like, um, unfortunately, because of the whole lockdown situation, COVID, obviously everyone's financially strained to an extent. I think a lot of people jumping on that bandwagon a bit. And, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of players out there, parents in particular, who are maybe not too clued up in terms of what that should look like. So they're kind of just going with it just to be able to say, yeah, you know, my son, my son or my daughter's still got a coach. They're, they're doing one-to-one specialist trainer, whatever that looks like. But actually not much is being done in terms of actually helping that player develop. Um, and I think in particular, when it comes to the one-to-one coaching, you know, again, another conversation I was having with Ben recently, I think something you touched on earlier with, uh, I guess, having that game context applied to, any session that you do, I think a lot of coaches just go down to one-to-one coaching. You think it's just about the technical aspects in terms of you know maybe working on the ball mastery side of things. You might just talk into what you know what your thoughts on how important it is to even in a one-v-one situation or one-to-one situation rather to still relay relate that session or that practice that you're going to be doing with those players to the game yeah well paramount um i, I think i think 1v1 coaching or, or a great 1v1 session or qualities of this session let's think about this you've got some time with an individual that you wouldn't normally get in a in a traditional coaching practice so mm. let, let's think about it in the four corners for example i know you one of your pods was about the four corners um you have a, a great opportunity to connect and understand some stuff about this individual that you might have missed if you were in a team training session. So 1v1 coaching doesn't just have to be all kind of go, 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 intensity, intensity. You could have time to have a chat, to talk talk to them about what's really important to them when they're playing their game. What do they want to improve at? Uh, where are their where are their challenges? What what do they want to be challenged at? And you you have an opportunity to get to know this person. Um, like I said earlier, that connection before correction. If if you just see one to one coaching as a, as a like a huge technical opportunity, you you miss you're missing something there. So um, mm. building great connections with people, I think, is massive. Um, and then almost as a coach, well, let let's not just do the stuff that we'd necessarily associate with traditional one-to-one coaching because yeah uh, uh, granted you, you lack some of the context that you need to help them develop and stuff because because there's not much interference going on um but how can we make these practices really engaging how can we do stuff where mm. 
where it's fun and the player is smiling and we can gamify some of it. If we gamify some of these practices and we, we, we help that player compete against themselves, but we do it around things that they would see as, as strengths or things they want to improve, um, you, can, you can do something that, that could be really engaging, really motivating and, and give people choice. So uh, yeah. I, I, I'll give you an example. I saw a coach doing some work um, and, and they were encouraging this person they were doing the one-to-one coaching with to check their shoulder before they receive the ball. Now, I appreciate that because they want to get them into a habit of looking around them to scan for space before they receive it. Fine, cool. But when there's no one else there, you, like, what are you checking your shoulder for? There's, there's, there's no, no one to check for. So can, can I just say on that... Uh, I think that's spot on. I don't know if you've heard the conversation we had um, on one of our one of our shows about the differences, you know, what gets the pros and cons between unopposed and opposed right. work. Um, and, you know, the, one of the points that what was made was around this idea of um, checking your shoulder. And, you know, exactly what you just said. There. I mean, for me, it's about understanding the context of why you're doing what you're doing. And if there's, if I already know no one's around me, then why would I check my shoulder? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't. Um, and you know, it, like, to delve deeper into that, I've, I've said, well, my thing is when I'm working with players, particularly in a one-to-one context, um, I, I'm generally I'm not a big fan of unopposed work. If if there's an opportunity to oppose, I keep it opposing. It, you know, by opposed doesn't have to be fully opposed, but I would like to have some sort of opposition in there. Um, obviously, it makes it easier for us to relate to the context of the of what, whatever moment of the game they may be in. Now, my 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 thing was this: is that when we go into unopposed work. Uh, if I was to do any unopposed work, I would do so um, on the basis that I've already exposed the players that I'm working with in that in that situation to the context of the practice that they're going nice. into. Um, so therefore, having to now think, okay, well, if Tom and Ben are playing the ball to one another, actually there's a player coming in from the left-hand side of Tom, so that's actually going to impact how he's going to now maybe receive or play that ball yeah. back because that player's coming in from the left as opposed to if that player's coming in from behind or on the right. Now, then, because you're already aware of the context, you now know what if you are going to check your shoulders, what you might be looking out for, if that yeah, makes sense. Absolutely. Um, and I feel like if you're just getting into the habit of checking your shoulder, you know, I see it all the time, especially with um, coaches early on in their journeys. And you know, to be fair, some, some you know, further down their journeys where they just get in the players into the, I guess they, they refer to it as getting into habits of checking shoulders. Well, why would I want to get in the habit of doing something that I don't need to do? Well, yeah, precisely. It's, precisely. It's, I was chatting to a coach yesterday and they, they said some advice they were given when they were kind of um, playing when they were 15 was n- never kick a ball aimlessly. Uh, and I thought, well, yeah, absolutely. And, and when, you're, when you're passing it back and forth to someone and there's no context there for where that pass should mm. go, what foot shall I play it to, what should be the tempo, mm-hmm. you, 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 you're missing an opportunity here. Um, and, and yeah, you're right. So as part of the A license, one of the videos we were watching was, was we were zooming on a Rodri playing for Man City uh, against Liverpool in the Community Shield at the start of the season. And there's a clip of him kind of dropping off in, in, in like a CDM position. And before he received the ball, he checked his shoulders probably four or five times. But then you could almost ask the question, if you're really thinking about the detail, how long do you look for? How often do you look? What are you looking at? Um, well, without something to look at you, you, it becomes really difficult to, to be able to create that situation again um mm. but but yeah so i think it, it, i'm not saying it's easy and in a 1v1 training session 
you are missing some of those cues that you would normally pick up in a game-based practice or in a, in a conventional training session. Um, but think about maybe you could be creative with your practice design to have some things that they could look at before they receive the ball that, that test their mm. awareness of where things potentially are. If, mm. if you're in a park, maybe you're checking your shoulder to see when someone's walking past you because that could be a good point of reference. I don't know. Mm. Um, but there's, there's, I think there's things coaches could do to make, take advantage of the environments that they're working in. Um, but perhaps because of the nature of, of this world we're going back into, there is going to be some more one-on-one one -on -one coaching. And you, you also, you also mm. said earlier, uh, yes, about um, perhaps parents who are looking for the best thing for their kids don't quite know what to think about when they're looking for a great coach. Well, uh, perhaps we, we are maybe conditioned to an extent around what good coaching looks like. Mm. Um, perhaps some parents might, might uh, their only point of reference is the way they were coached, which might have been 100%. 20 years ago. So... How do you how do you challenge that? How do you how do how do coaches who don't coach like that demonstrate their credibility as a coach? It, it's not not an easy one. No, definitely. I think one of the key things that you said there, you know, and touched on it earlier. You know, sometimes part of a session could be you just engaging in a in a few minutes conversation with a player, but it's, you know, uncle, you know, unfortunately, there is a situation where parents look at that and think, okay, well, we're paying for this time you guys are just having a conversation. Well, actually, this conversation is probably more important than what we're doing practically. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And because if we, if we don't have this conversation, we don't know whether what we're actually doing practically is having an impact mm. or the players truly understanding the need for it. Precisely. And it, 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 maybe it comes back to almost how, how do you spend your time in a, in a coaching session as a, if that's one-to-one -one with your team? Mm. Do, you, do you spend time or do you invest time? Um, and I, I kind of think if the FA for the right reasons, talk about high ball rolling within sessions. Absolutely. We want the players playing more than the coaches coaching. Um, but there, there needs to be an understanding here where over the course of 10 weeks, that first week, we need to have more time where we're sat down talking to the players, working out what's important. Precisely. Um, and, it, Precisely. And, and then maybe next week, the trade-off is, well, we, we'll play more next week because we now know what's important to us. But unless you have those conversations at the start, you're going to limit your potential and where you can get to. Hundred percent, and I always say to you know coaches that I'm working with, you know, similar to yourself, and you know, I do some coach education myself, and I say you know for me the way I coach, quite often in the initial stages, there's is, there's a lot of stop stand still. There is a lot of conversation taking place because I really want to make sure that the players I'm working with in those moments really understand what it is that we're looking at. So then, as time goes on, I can just kind of take a step back, and eventually allow them to make the decisions because I've already I've already made sure from my perspective that I've raised their awareness to their under, and their understanding of the context they're in if that makes sense yeah yeah 100 percent. there's a, a co coaching colleague of mine who who uses the phrase handcuffs to handrails so when when you when you might might have players who need a bit more information or need a bit more support around learning the game that you have some some uh stricter constraints that help them learn the rules and help them learn how to play uh, but mm. as time goes on and they 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 develop this and develop their understanding, that that then becomes more handrails. You set some stuff that help help guide people. But now they've got this this library of pictures and knowledge that they can make better decisions for themselves. If you if you ask five year olds mm. just to go and play a game, we all know what that looks like. So there are times when they need a bit more structure to help learn some of the important stuff mm. that's going to help them further down the line. Definitely. 
you know, just you know, you talked a bit about you know your coaching journey and you know your, some of your bugbears. But what would you say one of your biggest challenges has been in your coaching journey? Um, yeah, a, a few ouch moments along the way. Um, I'd like to think that some of these challenges have, have been turned into to opportunities as such. Um, one one which stands out. I, I mentioned this briefly earlier was was around coaching in prison, um, and I very much felt like an alien alien in 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 someone else's world to be honest because um there was i guess a lot of nervousness and apprehension for me before going and working in that kind of environment um so i worked in um in a women's prison uh, in the south of london in sutton um for about a year on and off through my when i was when i was at arsenal um and that was hugely challenging because well the context is so different to what we see as coaches on a day-to-day basis and because it's a women's prison perhaps football was something that maybe some of them hadn't necessarily done before um there were lots of barriers for them taking part being a male coach in a female environment i perceived as perhaps a barrier to an extent but but turned out to be an opportunity and i think that that was a piece of work that was was a challenge because you just didn't know how it was going to go and, and every time you went into that environment it, it felt different but to have an impact on people and and fully understand uh, i guess some some people who have had some challenging uh, a challenging upbringing or, or or been in challenging environments well it, it, it's a very humbling experience and and it kind of makes you really think about how lucky we are that, that we haven't necessarily had that level of challenge around us sometimes so that that that's bit, that was a difficult environment and i think was was probably one of the most important important things i've done as a coach um mm. and 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 ultimately turned into one of the the most rewarding things as well um i think i think starting as a as a tutor as well was a challenge i i felt i felt perhaps that who am I to stand in front of a room of other people and, and help them on their coaching journey? I didn't necessarily feel like I had the credibility to do that, um, which I think we probably all have a bit of that sometimes, that almost imposter syndrome. Um, but the, the more, more I did it, I guess I realized that perhaps it's not about me standing at the front having all the answers. It's about helping people develop some, some confidence in themselves and, and help them find the answers they've got within themselves to, to become become coaches um and and i think as challenging as that felt to begin with i mean goodness i can remember my first course feeling really nervous reading my notes a thousand times before i went in the room to actually thinking well if you can if you can be a significant player in in being a really positive experience for these coaches at the start of their journey then then that has the potential to impact on loads of different kids that they're going to go and coach um and and you can do some some really exciting things with that um so yeah that that felt like a challenge at the start but that has been something that well with, with the role i'm in now it's 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 been the the beginning of a, a new part of the journey for me mm. Brilliant. you know just uh, just as we start to wind down uh, you know just wondering you know if you've maybe had any major influence possibly in the form of a mentor throughout your journey what were maybe one of the key lessons that you've kind of taken from them yeah do you know what I've, I've never had a formal mentor um i've had lots of really important people who i've kind of connected with along my journey some intentionally some completely by accident never never that formal mentor opportunity but i, I think there's 
there's huge value in having someone who who is is that critical friend or or asks you a good question or or is just there as a sounding board um i mm. suppose there's been there's been some individuals along the way who have who have been uh really helpful i suppose or just important people on my journey um and i guess influences is is a whole other conversation but i think if you if you talk in the football world people like Pete Sturges who who's probably mm. a huge influence on lots of coaches working in the foundation phase it's not just what Pete does it's how he does it that i think i think really kind of resonates with people um uh, other influences i i've i get interested in looking outside of the world of football um mm. what what's rugby doing that we could learn from what what a ho- hockey coach is doing but e- even wider than that to say well actually as coaches if we want to get better at empathy shall we speak to a nurse because that that's kind of what they do on a day-to-day basis and if mm. we want to get better at differentiation well teachers are ace at that so let's go and speak to some teachers about what they do with the class of 30 to, to challenge and to support um and i think maybe in football sometimes we we become entrenched in in our football world um, and if we can start looking on the fringes of that and and looking slightly outside of where our normal context is, there's some some stuff that we can bring back that, that could add real value and, and be gold dust to us. Definitely. And you know, just on a on a final one, kinda, of, you know, if you could go back to speak, you know, speak to yourself at the start of your coaching journey then, what would your what would your one message be to yourself? Uh, probably just to enjoy it. I wouldn't want to change anything because then it wouldn't be my journey anymore. Um, and I wouldn't be where I am right now. Mm. So I think it's just about, I think, coaching since, well, being a coach since I was kind of 16 years old, but coach of a small C is probably going through to coach of a capital C now. Um, I think I think it's an amazing thing uh, to, to be able to kind of travel the world, make a difference to people, um learn every day what 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 a privilege and what 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 an amazing position to be in um i can't think for me it's, i can't think of anything better really so i think it's just about enjoying it and and understanding that there's learning in everything um mm. so so just embracing every every stage of it uh but i wouldn't want to change anything because yeah if i, if I did it wouldn't be i wouldn't be where i am now mm. Fair enough. So then, well, then if I gave you 60 seconds now, you know, to kind of package one golden nugget for other listeners to kind of take on board, obviously take something from your journey and apply it to this, what would that be? Um, 60 seconds, something from my journey to apply to theirs. Um, always think about, always think about the person who you're working with and, and how you can help them have the biggest impact as possible. Um, and I, 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 like I've kind of, we've, we've talked around this, uh, on on the podcast already but actually um i think that most people have got the answer that they're looking for inside themselves already so it's about asking meaningful questions um helping people work out for themselves the direction that they want to go in and not necessarily being the person who who, who tells maybe maybe ask a lot more and listen a, mo- a lot more um there's a there's a, a quote or a poem that um I, I heard was read by Nelson Mandela um, around listening. And I'll tell you what, I'll read that because I think that's probably a really nice, nice, um, nice way of bringing it together. So here we go. Um, uh, the wise old owl sat in an oak. The more he heard, the less he spoke. The less he spoke, the more he heard. Why can't we all be like that wise old bird? 
And I think, well, yeah, that, that's a message for, for coaches everywhere because we... Well, that's the perhaps... first on the Coaches Network, a poem. Yeah. <laughs> Thank so, you. Poem, there we go. Challenging the status quo, Ben. Indeed. Uh, again. <laughs> um, you know, definitely just, you shot me by that one, but it's actually very uh, mm. resonating. I think a lot of coaches will be able to look at that and think, you know, that, that is actually a, a key, bit, key bit of information that they can maybe take away the pipe for sure. Um, you know, it's that whole. It's that, it comes back to the whole thing. You know, you got two ears, one mouth. You should do less speaking than listening, right? Yeah, yeah. 100%. Um, but look, Tom, I just want to say thank you again for your time today. But look, there you guys, there, there you have it, guys. It's been another fantastic discussion again today. Will be a brief one. Um, some brilliant insights, plenty of golden nuggets for everyone to take away and apply. Plus a poem. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, you can have that network first. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Um, I just want to say thanks again for tuning in, guys. As usual, been joined by my co-host Ben, and a very special thanks today to our guest Tom Hartley. Been a pleasure. Been a pleasure, guys. Um, Tom, you. just on that note, if you uh, want to let listeners know where they can get in touch with you, yeah, um, you can you can uh, follow me on Twitter um, at Thomas W Hartley, uh, H A R T L E Y. Um, or if, if you're just interested in developing your, your knowledge as a coach, um, UK Coaching uh, have got loads of resources on their website, whether that's podcasts, webinars, blogs, articles, um, which are about kind of topics that doesn't matter where you're coaching or who you're coaching, the stuff that is there to support you. So I'd encourage anybody who's, who's just curious about that to, to have a look on UK Coaching. Well, there you have it, guys. Another edition of the Coaches Network Insight Series, where we sit down with experienced individuals across the multiple disciplines within the coaching world, hoping to explore their journeys and key insights in order to package away some golden nuggets that you can apply to help you reach your full potential. I've no doubt that you've enjoyed today's episode as much as we have, but I just want to say thanks again for tuning in. The support is much appreciated. Please do get in touch with us and today's guests. Let us know where you're listening from to share your thoughts, views and key takeaways from today's show, along with any suggestions you may have for guests or future topics on the show that you'd like to hear discussed. Ultimately, guys, the show is about yourselves. The content is for you and we just want to continue to create that great content. On that note, get in touch with us on Instagram at The Coaches Network and on Twitter at The Coaches Net. And if you want to touch base with Coach Ben, he's available on Instagram and Twitter at FocusBXN. Lastly, guys, keep an eye on our socials for the latest updates and announcements for upcoming guests and discussion topics with the panel. And until next time, guys, take care. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.